0: Tonight, like this morning, I'm going to talk about money. <laughs> Jesus spoke a lot about money. And if you have a look through scripture, you'll notice a lot of his parables were in relation to money. Um, he spoke more about money than he spoke about heaven and hell. And as I shared this morning, you know, we've got to ask ourselves, why? Why would the creator of the universe spend so much time talking about this thing that I have in my pocket that has incredible value to some people, it has power. Uh, some people ruin their whole lives trying to chase it and find it. We educate ourselves more so we can earn more of it. We spend a lot of our time and a lot of our resource trying to get more of this stuff. It has, as I said, value to it, it has power to it, yet... At the end of the day, it's just a bit of paper on one hand. you know, if If I scrunch it up and scrunch it into a ball, it doesn't lose its value at all. It still has the ability to get me certain things, but it can control a person. It can be something that actually binds a person up to the point that they are no longer able to live a life that Jesus came for us to live and to live a life of freedom. And I've just got some thoughts um, tonight, and and we spoke about um, obviously this whole tithing principle. And and uh, this morning, if uh, I just really encourage you to go and have a listen to my message, go on the website, um, because I talked a lot about why the tithe, or why we are to be generous people. Because the tithe is just a principle that is, it starts in a particular place and it's to move us through to have the spirit of generosity, not just in our finances, but in every area of our lives. It's not something that you just sort of go, well, you know, like, I put some money in a sexy blue bucket as it went past and I did the big tick and that's where it sits. No, the thing that God is trying to birth in our spirits, in our hearts, is to conform us into His image. So he has this principle in place because he knows our hearts. The Bible says our heart's wicked. We have this thing called iniquity. We have all partaken of the tree of good and evil, which means we actually all have this thing iniquity. What's iniquity, Greg? Iniquity is lawlessness. You actually want to be God of your life. I do. I want to do things my way. I have my own thinking my own patterns, my own mode of operation. And 13 years ago, I was confronted with another pattern, another mode of operation. It's called the Bible. And the Bible says that we must conform, no longer, you know, um, excuse me, it says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed through the renewing of your thinking. And so often we can just think patterns are don't have sex outside of marriage, stop drinking, stop smoking, come be a good boy, come to a place called The Rock, and just, no, no. Being transformed is literally going, you know what? There is a whole new dimension on this side that I need to relearn and actually let go of this side and embrace this side. It's not something that happens overnight. It's a process of a lifetime. And so the way we think about everything pretty much needs to transform into how he thinks. And this area called money is a massive part of that. Why? Because money has a hole on us. I shared this morning that God is trying to get us to trust and put our complete faith in him. But a lot of Christians today are putting their faith and their trust in this stuff. And so we need to look at that, don't we? We need to be able to have these conversations in a place like this. Because Jesus did. And so often, you know, in in a service like this, when you start talking about money, you see people just sort of slightly shift and you can just see some lights go down and it's like, oh, the money thing. But the reality is, you know, we haven't really spoken about money in this church since I've been here. We mention it, you know, within a couple of seconds here, but actually diving into the scriptures and actually unpacking it and bringing correct biblical worldview thinking into this thing we need to have so we can walk in an alignment to the king. Amen. And, um, and so we want to sort of touch on some of this, but I just want to show you a clip because there's a certain man who has something to say about money. So have a listen to this. Here it is. Show me the money. Oh, Bobo! No. I think it's a got it. Hey! I'm gonna find Jerry! Does that make you feel good just to say that? Say it with me one time, Jerry. Show you the money. Oh no, no, you can do better than that, Jerry. I want you to say it with you with me in brother. Hey, I got box cook on the other line, I better hear you. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 Show you the money! That's right, not so you! Show me the money! Show me the money! Yeah, Louder! Show me the money! That's it brother but you got to yell! Show me the money! I need to feel you Jerry. Show me the money! Jerry you better yell! Show me the money! Show me the money! This is the black man! I love some black man. Show me the money! I love black people! Congratulations, you still my agent. See what money can do to people? <laughs> if you know anything about that movie, that was going to be um, Tom Cruise as a sports agent. And he's losing all his clients, and that guy's his last client. And he starts doing something because he's just got this love of money. And this guy manages to get him to you know, be a bit like a black man and sort of you know show me the money, show me the money because he realizes the power of money. He realized that his lifestyle is radically going to change if he doesn't have any money. Because he's used to this very expensive lifestyle. He's the man. He's with all the stars. And he's running out of this thing called money. And um, one of the reasons we struggle with money so much is because we walk in the flesh and not the spirit. Now let's be honest. We struggle with it because we walk in the flesh. But the Bible says we are to be spirit people, we are spirit people, we are to be able to discern the times that we live in, we are to move in the spirit, We able to bring prophetic utterances in the spirit, to break things open. And I've just been doing some thinking about this whole area of tithing and some of the things that I've heard come out of even my own mouth at times. It's Old Testament law and it doesn't apply in the New Testament. It's my money and I decide where it goes going to look at that. I can't believe people don't tithe. Leadership doesn't use it the way I think so, so I'm not going to tithe. I love this. I have learned so much about trust and faith in God through tithing. I can't trust the leadership, so I'm not going to give. I can't afford to. This is something someone said to me about six weeks ago, which totally almost knocked me off my chair. He said, Greg, I don't have to tithe. I get to tithe. Isn't that a different heart position? I don't have to. You mean, you mean I I get to? I mean, God actually, I actually get an opportunity to give back. Wow. I was thought about getting him up here to preach that, actually. Church leaders have built their own empire. Through people's tithes So I'm not going to When I have more Then I will start Do you realise that never happens That's a lovely saying But we actually never get to that point The Bible says Give what's in your hand When the Israelites were building uh, The, the um, temple They brought what was in Their hand at the time and the last thing was, do you tithe or, sorry, do you tithe the gross or the net? Just a real mixed bag of thoughts and, and people's opinions and as I said, really there is only one opinion and it's, it's this. And so we need to understand, and I want to ask this a question, what is God trying to form in our hearts through this principle and this process? Why? Why, why, why? Because so often it's just so easy to just do these things without really stopping and going, why is the point? What's the point? And the point really is that God is trying to conform you and me into his image. And that involves money. So he's trying to take us, the Bible says in 2 Peter that we are to partake of the divine nature through promises that he gives us. And so we are to become like him. We are to become love. We are to become generous. Does that make sense? That you, people, you reflect the image of Christ. And so when you go from your workplace and universities and all around the bits in the city, people are sort of noticing that you're a different cat because on the inside of you is the kingdom of God forming in you. An internal transformational process that you reflect the image of the one that we worship. And as I said this morning, now the Bible says the heart of man is wicked. And so God has to put something in place for that transformation to happen. And He does. He calls it the tithe. He calls it the offering. But it is a seed that starts here. It's not the end. The goal, the purpose is a generous spirit. So it doesn't just, as I said before, stay here. It's a process of outworking that you become like the sun. So you know what? Wherever Jesus went, what happened? The kingdom came. Wherever he turned up, the kingdom of God arrived. So there was healings. There was breakthrough. There were people in their lives to Christ. He was bringing words of knowledge. He was actually saving some people from some people that wanted to kill people. That's the why. Why, why, why? And um, I'm just going to share some thoughts around us, uh, so just to get some thinking, accurate or correct thinking, so we can go forward um, with this. But, you know, the Bible talks about that we would excel, E-X-C-E-L, that we would excel in the grace of giving. That's phenomenal, isn't it? It says you excel in a whole lot of things. Listen to 2 Corinthians. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. And this is what I love about Paul. He says, I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. It's not going to make you do it. And God doesn't enforce us to give. God never comes in and sort of violates a person's will. He tries to influence it. But it's for our benefit. And this is what we have to grab hold of. See, God doesn't need the finances. It's for our benefit to unlock something in our heart. To let go, to open up our hand. I shared this morning, we had a dedication. And I shared it with the parents. I said, you know, these two children, they're not yours. They're his. They're actually his. The money that you earn, the skills that you have, the ability to earn the money you earn are not yours. They were given to you by him. And so we actually cannot really hold on to anything because it's not ours to hold on to. And as I share with these parents, I say, God, children are a gift, and he asked us to steward his gift to us to bring them up in a way that would bring him glory. And it's in everything. It's his. Just stop and think about it. Everything you own comes from him. Do not conform to the pattern of the will, but be transformed through the renewing of your mind. You know, the battle is for truth. The battle has always been for truth. It's not for money. It's actually not for land. It's not for power. It's for truth. That God's people would walk in absolute truth. The battle is of the mind because if God's people start walking in the accuracy of truth then his kingdom is released that's why it says where's the kingdom of God it's right here and God knows this paper stuff that is blue and orange and green and red if you've got a hundred dollar one we hold on to it like this locked down tight but we're supposed to hold it like this In the palm of your hand. Because it's his, isn't it? And so I just want to give you three really core facts that I hope tonight would just cement um, your thinking. And on one aspect, I'm just trying to provoke some thinking because once again, my heart and our heart as a leadership here is that we would all walk in accuracy to truth. Because that honours him. First and foremost, it honours the king. So number one, everything is God's and comes from him. I'm just going to read you some scriptures. And um, this has got a few scriptures tonight. So did you bring your Bible? I hope so. Some of these will be behind me, but some won't. So establishing some core facts in our thinking, everything is God's and comes from him. Listen to John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, which is Christ. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Everything is from him. Nothing came into being that wasn't from him. It's pretty simple really, isn't it? So everything is his. I'm just going to flip to Romans 11, 33-36. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are His judgments and unfathomable His ways! For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who became His counsellor? Or who has first given to Him? That it might be paid back to Him again. For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be the glory forever. Amen. It's pretty clear, isn't it? And we need to get this in our thinking. We need to totally understand that this stuff called money that we earn, that we spend a lot of time, how many people love, how many people are working here? Keep your hand up if you really, really love what you do. And you do it because you love it. Very cool. I reckon you guys would be, and it was a bit like that this morning, would be the minority. Because whenever I ask people, I talk to people, I say, Do you do this thing because you love it? No. Why do you do it? To earn money. People make life-changing decisions based on this stuff, don't we? Yet the thing that most people spend their time doing, we don't do it because we love it, we do it because we need this stuff. And this stuff directs our pathways. Which is quite a scary thought really, isn't it? And it's his. Listen to what Leviticus 27, 30-32 says. Thus all the tithe of the land, of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. That's an interesting thought. For every tenth part of herd or flock, whatever passes under the rod, the tenth one shall be holy to the Lord. Now, because it's God's, the reality is that we actually don't get to say where it goes. And this is another area that a lot of people go, Kirk, you can have this, but it needs to go there because it's mine. Do you realise that's not mine? That's God's. And in a family like this, in a community like this, God entrusts those who are given a responsibility to steward that. And so as soon as you give this, the responsibility to give a portion of what's already his is now released from you into, into, into Kirk's hand. Which now means I can walk away, and if he, even if he goes and spends that on, I don't know, the races or something, or lotto, that's not my, for me to worry about. I have done what God has asked me to do. He is now accountable to God, under God. Are we getting this? And I have fulfilled my part of a principle out of love that God asked me to do. And so we actually, by giving, we can't go, you know what, this can go here, but it needs to go here. It's not ours to make that call, it's His. The second thing is the Old Testament and the New Testament make up, sorry, one complete book. I shared this this morning, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed? Slightly off topic, but there are patterns in the Old Testament that the New Testament reveals. Did you know that? That's why you need to read the whole book. A lot of people just spend time in the Gospels as they're cool. The Old Testament's just as awesome. Even numbers can be awesome. You know why? Because everything is intentional and God hasn't made a mistake with any of it. So there's something in us, in all, you know, in, in the whole book for us all. But why make this point, Greg? Because people say the principle of tithing is an Old Testament law and we are now in the New Testament so we don't need to do it. Well, I just want to give three thoughts around that because once again, You don't see Jesus talking a lot about tithing in the New Testament. It's mentioned and we're going to get to that. But it's not so much about whether I tithe, it's about whether I have a generous spirit in this New Covenant because, you know what, there's actually more responsibility as a Christian, as a follower of Christ in the New Testament because he says, I want you to give it all. I want you to give your whole life to this thing, you're filled with the Holy Spirit I just don't want this portion I want to give you and what does that now look like for us so there's actually a greater uh, responsibility on us as New Testament followers, I believe than possibly in the old but um, let's have a listen to this. number one the principle of giving back to God a percentage of what was rightfully his again, in this case a tenth started before the law of tithing was introduced And it wasn't about whether it was a law or not. It had to do with the part position of two people. So once again, you have this incredible, these incredible men, Abraham and and Jacob, and that the Bible talks about that they give back to God out of appreciation. Which comes down to do we truly know who he is? Do we know him? Because if you know him, you want to engage with him, yeah? So the challenge is, do we know him? He was constantly asking this question, wasn't he? Who do people say I am? And the mass, okay, the mass, the crowd said, well, some say you're Elijah. Was he Elijah? No. Some say you're the prophet. Was he a prophet? Some say you're a good teacher. So they're sort of like having a go. We're not really sure. And then he comes to his closest people and he says, so who do you say I am, Peter? He comes to his closest friend. Who do you say I am? He says, you are the Christ. How do you know that? Because you've had a revelation from heaven of who I am. He knew who he was Can you say tonight, you know, that you know, that you know, that you know who Jesus is? As we go forward, I'm going to start downloading some of the stuff that why we do need to know him at that level, why we do need to be intimate with him. Do we love him with all our heart? Or is it just, you know? Because when he comes to you and he says, you putting this stuff ahead of me. Is this more important than than me? It's very hard to let go of this stuff if you don't know them, isn't it? It's very hard to, you know, like go without if you don't know them. See, God is trying to get you and me into uncomfortable situations all the time. <laughs> don't you hate that? I do. None of this about being on staff is comfortable. None of that about being a follower of Jesus is actually to be comfortable all the time. He actually intentionally places you in uncomfortable situations. Why? Because he's looking to see if faith is going to grow. Faith doesn't grow on its own, does it? Faith grows as it's tested. So stop and think about that. Back to my analogy of money. How are we going to grow our faith when it comes to money? He says, give it away. If you don't have it, you can't trust in it. Now he's so awesome, he actually only asks us to give, and once again, I'm not big on the tenth, because I believe God asks us to give everything. So it's about developing a spirit of generosity again. Okay, But he intentionally is going to place us in situations so faith grows and develops, and it's uncomfortable. And we do need to get comfortable with that. And there was these two men that just out of a... Who? Abraham. Who's Abraham? The father of what? Faith. The father of faith responds to his king out of love, out of appreciation, and says, from what you've given me, I give you a tenth back. I think it's awesome. Number two, yes, the principle of tithing comes from the Old Testament, but listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew 5, 17-19. Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish but to fulfill. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. Whoever then annuls one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same, shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus came to fulfil the law. So living under this new covenant actually carries a greater responsibility on us to not just give a percentage, but at all, and live a lifestyle of abundant generosity. For most of us, abundant generosity isn't our innate nature or position, And so the tithe is the seed that God asks us to sow by faith and thanksgiving to start the process of developing a nature like his. That's powerful, eh? He actually loves you so much that he's trying to form his image in you. So if you can get your mind on the right side of that, you actually embrace it. But if you're thinking in the world, you actually want to push against it. Does that make sense? But when your mind starts to be transformed through the Spirit, you embrace because you realize that you are becoming freer as you embrace his principles. And the third thing is, although tithing starts in the Old Testament, Jesus instructs the Pharisees to continue to tithe in the New Testament, Matthew 23.23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! For, the t- for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier provisions of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. But these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others. It's always both. So although this is Jesus has given the disciples a rebuke, he's saying, you know what, you should have remained to do this and you should have done this at the same time. The third... So what the final thought is, in the Old Testament we see the tithe being brought to where God established his name for his dwelling or into his storehouse. And so once again there's a lot of different thought patterns that you know, I give to this and this is my tithe and it could be to wherever, it could be to a missionary, it could be to World Vision, it could be to a number of things but in the Old Testament we see the tithe being brought into a place where either God's name was being established and set up or a storehouse. So Deuteronomy 12, 5 and 6. But you shall seek the Lord at the place which the Lord your God will choose from all your tribes to establish his name there for his dwelling. And there you shall come. There you shall bring your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, the contribution of your hand, your votive offerings, your freewill offerings, and the firstborn of your herd and your flock. There's some other scriptures. Deuteronomy 12, verse 11. 14; um, 14, Deuteronomy 14, 22 to 23. And the good old one that a lot of people use to try and make people feel guilty is Malachi 3. And it says, You rob God if you don't give your tithes. You know what? I actually think you rob yourself. I really do. Judas shortchanged himself, not Christ Christ was already going to the cross. Judas missed out on something incredible, didn't he? And he actually shortchanged himself. So I actually think we rob ourselves. We rob what God's trying to do through us and release in us. And I don't know about you, but I would, I would love a greater sense of freedom in him. I would love personally to be more and more set free from this stuff. Just being so generous that you just, you know, it's just, you're like this vessel that it comes in and it's released. So others can experience him. And there's Nehemiah 13, 10 to 13. It's an interesting scripture. I'll just read some of this. It says, I also discovered that the portions of the Levites had not been given to them. And so in the Old Testament, the tribes gave a tenth, and the tenth was given to help support the Levites or the priests So they hadn't received their their allotment. So the Levites and the singers who performed the service had gone away, each to his own field. So they had to go and try and find their own supplies, their own resource. So I reprimanded the officials and said, why is the house of God forsaken? Then I gathered them together and restored them to their posts. All Judah then brought the tithe of the grain of wine and oil into the storehouses. In charge of the storehouses I appointed Shalamiah the priest, Zadok the scribe, and Pedeiah of the Levites. In addition to them was Hanan the son of Zakur, the son of Mataniah, for they were considered reliable, which goes back to what I talked about before, and it was their task to distribute to the kinsmen. And so that's Old Testament teachings. Where does the money come? came into the storehouse, came into where God's name was. And I have this mindset in the New Testament or going forward a little bit like this and I said this this morning that I grew up in a family where I had a mum and dad and two other brothers and my mum and dad built a home and we were responsible for investing into our home. We loved one another, we served one another, we, we hung out together, we had a nice home, we had a nice property and we had to steward that. And we were all responsible for playing our part. We had to do dishes. We had to mow the lawns. We had to vacuum the house. We had to clean toilets. We, we had to do all the things that, that we do when you are given a, a property, you're given something. And, you know, we, we did it together. And my mindset here is I, th- I was thinking, why, why do I tithe here? Why do I give a portion of my income here? And really it's because I love this place. I love this house. Discovered it thirteen years ago, I've never left it. I've thought about it. (laughs) Haven't done it because I love it. And I want to invest who I am here. I want to steward the stuff that God has given me and a portion of it invest it here. It doesn't stop there. With the other, the remaining, I'm giving it away. We're meeting people's needs here. We're looking at doing this. You're looking at doing this. We sponsor children, which is our offerings. We do a whole lot of different things. And we're trying to walk in this, develop in this spirit of generosity. Because I know my nature. I don't know about you. I know me. I know my heart. I know at times it would be easier just to hoard. It would be easier to insulate myself with my Affluence, and we talked about that this morning. God's kingdom is incredibly affluent. But you can insulate yourself with this stuff, or you can influence with it. If you insulate yourself with it, it becomes a disease which can actually kill you. God knows that. So He puts these life-changing transformational principles in His Word. That when we engage in it, understanding from a love perspective and a heart perspective, we start to change on the inside and become like him. I think it's amazing. It's so wise. Anyone would have thought of that principle? Ultimate wisdom. But he gives us a choice. And that's also ultimate wisdom because he wants you to do it. The end goal, it may start in obedience, But he wants it finishing in love. Or somewhere on the process you capturing who he is. Because if you know him, it becomes easier. You truly are in love with him. What do you want me to do now? And the more you do it, your faith grows and develops. And it's just a beautiful thing. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. I'm not dyslexic. R-I-S-K. So by tithing, the Israelites demonstrated three things that are just as relevant for us today. Number one, they honoured God for what he had given them. Those are an honouring principle in Proverbs nine says, If you honour me, I will honour you and I will pour out upon you so you can influence others. We're never to hold this stuff if God finds a vessel that he can use and trust with little he will give much, I see Debbie Robinson, I see her down there, I see she is a vessel that is willing to be to have my resource channeled through and she will release it because I see her heart. Yeah. Number two, they recognize the role of the Levites and the role and function that they played. And three, it allowed them to demonstrate love for the poor, widows, orphans, and those in need. Whether you I don't know whether you realize or not, but we we've given away probably at least two million, three million dollars since this church has been going, this community of people called the Rock, which has changed and transformed over years and people have come and gone. But we've been able to do amazing things in Romania, do India, do it in Mexico, we're doing it in Cambodia. We do amazing things just here in Wellington. We have people that come that can't afford to pay their bills, they can't put food on the table pretty much weekly. Sandra's so Andrew is right now, check left, right and centre. Because we just want to sow seeds and sow seeds and sow seeds to see people come to know him. And as we do that, guess what's happening to our hearts? We are being transformed into his likeness. And it has to be that flow. Guys, as soon as we get stuck doing this, we cut off, I believe, a grace release from heaven. And a cut off comes. And God wants to release it through every one of His children. I'm just going to read you this last story and we're going to wrap it here. This is, uh, someone sent me this during the week. It says, as you know, We like to give whenever the Holy Spirit prompts us to resource any of the various ministries and ministers that He puts on our hearts. With regards to tithing, however, I was a bit confused. So one day I asked God to give me His thoughts on tithing. The next night in a dream slash vision, God showed me a very specific amount right down to the last cent. For days after that I mulled over, sorry, for, for days after that I mulled over the significance of such an amount, a dollar amount, It was not quite a tenth of my current salary, so I was really baffled as to what God was up to. All I sensed was that that was an amount that he would have liked me to give on a weekly basis. After a couple of days of praying, seeking, mulling it over, I said to God, paraphrasing, right, if that's the weekly figure you want me to give, I will up your offer another $5 a week. Anyway, thinking that I was being really smart and generous, when I recalculated this new amount, lo and behold, this time, it was exactly a tenth of my gross salary. This took me by surprise, and I remember laughing so hard, I almost fell off my computer chair. I could just sense God smile at me and saying, gotcha. (laughs) Guys, we can fully trust in him. Because he is worthy, he is incredible. And a number of times, and just continue just to see his goodness. Um, but it's a faith challenge. It's all a faith step. And it's all a stretching step. Because of the work he wants to do in and through you. is life changing, and life transforming. Not only for, my time's up. <sighs> Not only for you but for those that you influence. So, Father, I just thank you for these people tonight. I thank you, Lord, that we can talk about these sensitive issues here at The Rock. I thank you, Lord, that it's your money. I thank you, God, that you ask us to steward your resource from heaven. And, Father, I pray you'd release more uh, through this house that we could bless and, and meet needs of many people, Lord, right here in our city and our neighbourhoods and far off, Father. Lord, I thank you that you're gracious. I thank you that you're so gracious with us. So patient with us, Lord, as we continue to learn and grow as your children and be defined by your truth and accuracy to your truth. So, Father, I just thank you. I thank you for these great people. And I pray, Lord, this week that they would just think about what they've heard, look out for people to release and develop this generous spirit in their hearts, Father, as we do this as a community together, to see your kingdom released in Wellington and New Zealand. In Jesus' name. Amen.